fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. You want to know what I've been singing all week? Um, it's no, no. I'm, you were about to say, in a minute, oh, I'm Anita. The fact that I couldn't remember it means it's finally out of my head. And then the fact that and we now, just sang it means it's back in my head. There you go. Um, I sent my mom a video of me dancing to that. And she said, that song is risque. And I said, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what have you been singing? I've been singing the princess and the frog, the princess and the frog. Do you know what? Is that actually a song? Or no, I have up? the pinky in the brain stuck in my head, but oh. in my, yeah, I've been alternating M- the words with the princess and the, the frog. A little mashup. Well, that's what we're talking about today. We should probably do the history of pinky in the brain. Lab rats. Let's do a tiny the, tale. If you're not a 90s kid, you won't understand. We'll do it. Let's a bring 90s. back Pinky in the Brain. We need to educate the non-90s kids on the 90s. Right. Somebody asked me today why, how I came to love Disney so much. And I was like, did you? I grew up in the 90s. Right. Yeah. Li- we, the Lion King just set that off. And then there you go. And Disney fan forever. Right. So today we're talking about the princess and the frog. And I have a confession. Mm-hmm. You watched it today for the very first time. I did. Well, I think I tried to watch it before one time, and I fell asleep halfway through. I wasn't in the right mindset to watch it, but today I was in the right mindset. Mm -hmm. I actually really like it. No, it's really good. I I like it a lot. I I think I used to be of the mindset that I only liked the old ones. Like I think Mm -hmm. the more recent ones, I was just kind of like turning my nose up at them. But this one's it's like an old one. I know. I like it. It has the same qualities. She's the first black princess. Yeah. Uh, I have heard critiques about how she spends. 90% 90% of the movie as a frog, which is unfortunate. But I, but I like the spin. I, well, I guess we're going to get into that. I like the kind of spin off of the whole like frog prince princess thing. I don't know. Yeah, because she's the frog princess. I know. And I kind of I liked it. Also, they're changing Splash Mountain, which we need to do a whole other video on Splash Mountain and Song of the South, that ride in Disney World. They're yeah. changing it to Princess and the Frog because, and I didn't realize this. Splash Mountain is based off a story about a slave, I think. So there, that's been canceled. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that either. Yeah. But, but I do like this story. Mm-hmm. So I'm not opposed to a Princess in the Frog. I'm going to tell you because it'll be all like Cajuny and New Orleansy, and right. I like the like jazz music. Yeah. So I think the ride will be dope. I'm let's here go, for let's it. Let's go test it out, Disney. If you want to give us some free free passes, yeah, we'll do an episode while riding the ride. I'll, also, I just want to see the animatronic graveyard. Like can oh, I buy yeah. can I buy a Brer Fox, please? Maybe. Maybe one anyway. day. Anyway, so we're gonna tell you about Princess and the Frog today. Um, because I've only seen it once today for the first time, uh-huh. we're gonna let Lacey do the summary. hmm I've probably seen it three times. It's it's sweet. I like it. It's really good. I do like it. Uh so Disney summary, if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it first, but here here we are. 
So the movie centers around a waitress named Tiana who works extremely hard to save up money so that she can open her own restaurant, which was her father's dream for her. Her father passed. Yeah. So she finally makes an offer on a place, but is outbid at the last second, which is where she starts questioning if all of her hard work was for nothing. Because what's that song? I'm almost. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Also, music is great, by the way. Yes, it is. So then enters the frog prince. His name is Prince Naveen. Well, he's, he's not the, he's not a frog at first. No, 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 no. Yeah. He finds Tiana at a party dressed like a princess, and he tells her that if she kisses him and breaks the curse that Dr. Facilier, who is this voodoo shaman, put on him, then he will give her all the money she needs to open her restaurant. And side note, Dr. Facilier has his own entire backstory so we're gonna do the whole entire episode on him yeah and just voodoo in general and doesn't the prince go to him to get his like fortune told or Mm -hmm. something yeah and that's how he curses him yeah and that's how he turns into a frog uh so after he and tiana kiss things didn't go as planned because tiana was not a real princess she was just dressed up as one because they were at this party and now she has turned into a frog so tiana and prince naveen they're now both in frog form they go on a wild adventure through the swamps of Louisiana to help break the curse to turn themselves back into humans. And along the way, they meet new friends. There's Ray the Firefly and Louis the Alligator. Both love them. Yep. I they're, love they, they're, they're, they're very uh, Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, or I was thinking uh, the raccoon and the hummingbird oh, from Mi- Miko and uh, what is the, God, what is the bird's name? Squirt? No, no, that's fine anymore. So, I was about. <laughs> it's something funny. like that, like a one syllable word. So while they're completely disgusted with each other in the beginning, they start to understand more about each other and become close friends. And eventually, they find Mama Odie, who is the queen of voodoo, Who's deep kinda, deep into the swamp. She's kind of like uh, the the old lady in Pocahontas. She is Mother yeah. Willow. Yeah. I, I love Mama Odie. Uh, it is discovered that Prince Naveen will indeed turn back into a human if he is kissed by a princess. So the real princess. Right. The plan is for him to then marry the princess so he can inherit the wealth and pay for Tiana's restaurant. So the two do not discuss this with each other, but are deeply saddened because during their adventure, they have fallen in love with, with each other. Naveen wants to be with Tiana, but at the same time, he doesn't want her to miss the opportunity of building her dream restaurant. And in the end, the kiss does not happen by midnight, so both of them remain frogs. However, they are content with this because they realize that they are in love and want to be together and nothing else matters. It doesn't matter that they're frogs. They're not slimy. It's mucus. Yes. I say that a million times in the movie. <laughs> so the two, as frogs, hold a wedding down in the, the old swamp. And uh, when they surprise, I mean, excuse me, when they kiss, everyone is surprised because they transform back into humans because now she is a princess. Princess, because yeah. she married the prince. And they live happily ever after, and they run their dream restaurant. And I would love one of those freaking beignets right now. I was just right about to say, do they, they need to have her restaurant in Disney. Yeah. Do they, ha- do they already no, have but they need my, to add my, her? I have a Disney Park uh, cookbook, and Tiana's beignets are in there. I'm not they, even going to attempt. But I bet they're amazing. Yeah. So that's this Disney summary. Which I liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cute. Right. I don't know if it was because, you know, it's got some Southern, you know, the characters have the little mm-hmm. Southern accents and I like the food connection and the music is good. I thought it was sweet. Everybody loves New Orleans. Yeah. It's a culture in and yeah, of itself. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was sweet. So 
a little backstory for obviously this is what we do here Mm -hmm. the first part so the most well-known origin story for the princess and the frog comes from brothers Grimm. we like to start there a lot of times of course they collected the story from the wild family in castle germany in 1810 yeah and i think this is one of their it's considered one of their very first stories period which so 1810 that's a long Mm -hmm. long time ago at that point, they had titled it The Princess and the Enchanted Prince, but then by 1812, two years later, it was changed to The Frog King. Then finally, in 1857, a man by the name of Edgar Taylor translated the story into English, and the title was changed to The Frog Prince. There you go. So a summary of the Grimm version is as follows. Uh, there once was a beautiful princess whose favorite pastime was throwing a golden ball. This was her prized possession. One day, while throwing the ball, it accidentally landed in a nearby well. She was devastated at the loss of her most prized possession and pledges to give anything to get her ball back. And she's crying so loudly that a frog appears in the well and offers to fetch the ball for her. How's a frog going to pick up a, a, a big, big golden, golden ball? ball? I don't Hercules mm-hmm. frog. But he makes her a deal. He says he'll get the ball for her if she will love him and be his companion and let him sit next to her at the table and eat from her plate, drink from her cup, sleep in her bed, basically just live sleep life with her. Sleep in her bed. Yeah. That means doing stuff. Probably. Mm-hmm. But, so she agrees to this, but when the frog returns the ball, she takes it and runs away back to her castle. She's just like, mm-hmm. see you later. Later, the frog shows up to her castle that evening and demands that the princess keeps her promise. She tells her father the whole story of what happened and her father tells her that she needs to keep her promise, which I like that part. The frog, so she lets the frog sit at the dinner table. He eats from her plate. Um, Then when she goes up to bed, he demands that the princess take him up to her room so that he can sleep with her in her bed. Um, which she does not want to do. But again, her father tells her, you you have to follow through with your word. So she takes him up, the frog up to her room. And at one point she becomes so disgusted by the frog that instead of putting him in her bed, she violently throws him against the wall. And when she throws him against the wall, I mean, you would assume he's like squished. Splat. Yeah, you would assume he's flat against the wall. But when she turns around, he is a human. Mm-hmm. It reminds me, uh, did you ever get the shaved ice flavor frog in a blender? No. No? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it's a classic. It's Snowbiz. But that's that's what you thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You thought it was going to be frog in a blender. I thought the story ended right there. Right. Um, no, instead of him dying against the wall, she he becomes a prince. Okay. So, um, the story reads, quote, but when the frog came down onto the bed, he was a handsome young prince and he was her dear companion and she held him in esteem as she had promised and they fell asleep together with pleasure. With pleasure. Mm -hmm. I told you that meant doing stuff. Right. And she was like so disgusted by him when he was a frog, but then when he's a prince, Mm -hmm. she's like, yeah. Uh, A carriage arrives the next morning that takes them away to be married and they live happily ever after. That's this where is a, that's it a lot to unpack there. It is. So uh, instead of true love's kiss right there, you have true love's frog in a blender. <laughs> true love's pitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Frog in a blender. So there's a lot of things to take away from this story. We'll get to some of that later. But for now, 
We want to point out some of the similarities, uh, some one very familiar part of the story that seems to be missing, which is what we just mentioned, not the mm-hmm. kiss. It's a frog in a blender as, as the, mm-hmm. put that on a t-shirt. The kiss is not in any of the original stories, no. period. No, and there's lots of different ones, <clears throat> and there's, the, the kiss is glaringly missing. Absent, yeah. So when Ed, Ed, Edgar Taylor translated the story into English in 1857, he did change the ending um, from when he went from German to English. In his version, the princess reluctantly allows the frog to sleep in her bed for three nights before he turns back into a prince and they live happily ever after. So I guess... He the, didn't like the violent part. He didn't like the frog in a blender. Like Americans can't handle this. They can't handle throwing a frog against the wall. So, And three, for whatever reason, is always like a... Mm-hmm. symbolic number right so she just has to suffer sleeping with a frog for three nights and then he turns into a prince something also notable and funny about edgar taylor's version is that it does not start with once upon a time which is how a lot of these start mm-hmm. instead it starts with in olden times when wishing still helped damn dot 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 and so, and that the truth <laughs> yeah i kind of like that that opening yeah. um like wealthy children of this time period, uh, being forced to marry at a young age was a very traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and she was young in this story. But this story tells them that love and acceptance of their marriage will eventually come as they go through puberty. Right. So I guess the frog thing so much symbolic of puberty and yeah. boys are slimy and marrying older men. Yeah. But eventually they'll they'll turn into a prince. Because of the princess's obedience, there is a transformation in which she no longer sees her companion as gross or terrifying, but instead she accepts him, and she's rewarded with a life of wealth and status. Uh, Not to mention the symbol of the frog representing transformation in and of itself. He literally literally transforms from a frog to a prince. You know, you've got the tadpole to a frog. And then the frog to the prince. Kind of like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Yes. Uh... But the main message seems to be that young girls back then had two choices, either a life on the streets or a frog in a blender. <laughs> no, frog in their bed. Frog in their bed. Because, frog in their bed. <laughs> and this is the, the reason I have a problem with this story. It's, I think it because it's written, what, in 1810, you said? The original back, 1810, then 1812, yeah. then translated 1857. And 1857, right. was, they changed some things. So back then, young girls had to follow their father's rule, whatever they said. Mm-hmm. Marry, end up marrying a frog. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. An old mm-hmm. man could have had warts. Mm-hmm. The mu- right. sl- mucus, <clears throat> not slime. And they're just thought, they're just told to go along with it and that eventually they'll fall in love. And if they don't, as we'll see in later stories, they don't have a home to come back to. So right. it's either marry this person and not figure it out, figure it out, or end up on the streets. Also, I feel like this story says that if you're a female and you say something that you're going to do you can't change your mind and even if it makes you sexually uncomfortable mm-hmm. you still can't change your mind mm-hmm. uh yeah what? it kind of it kind of plays it off uh, I, part of me likes the father when he's like oh you gave your word stick to your word but if you look further into like whose word it really is mm-hmm. back then it was usually the father's word right like yeah i've well, i've pledged you to someone else not uh-huh. you pledge yourself to someone else it's mm-hmm. it traces back to the patriarch Keep, keeping a promise always a good uh right moral but but they're yeah yeah so while 
While the Grimm version is the oldest known written version of this, there is evidence that it goes back to ancient Rome uh, in the oral tradition of stories. So before as, things as all written, stories do, as they do. In late first century AD, there was a Latin work of fiction called Satricon, where one of the characters remarks, quote, the man who was once a frog is now a king. Mm-hmm. So this could have been a, a jab at Emperor Nero, who was said to resemble a frog, which is unfortunate for him. Right. But it is kind of a interesting point or connection, mm-hmm. nonetheless. People like to write about frogs turning into other things. Right. And I don't know why. why I mean... I guess the frog and the caterpillar, like you said, are the mm-hmm. two most like transformative character creatures. Yeah. The notion, and I guess it's easier to kiss a frog than it is. I don't know. A butterfly <laughs> or, or a caterpillar. I don't know. It's hard so to find its mouth. Do yeah. they have mouth? I don't, I don't know. know. Do they just have little tentacles that go down? I the mean, middle? with the caterpillar, are you kiss in the front or the back. You don't you, know. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. So I mean, that's why they went with the frog. The notion that a kiss could transform something ugly into a state of beauty was also popular during the Middle Ages. Uh, in his travel memoir, a man named John Mandeville recounted the tale of a daughter of uh, Hippocrates who was turned into, quote, form and likeness of a great dragon and mm-hmm. was destined to stay a dragon until a handsome knight ventured to kiss her and release her from her monstrous form. That's just Shrek. And that is the history of Shrek. But also, oh, we got to do a Shrek episode. There are the new movies these days. I feel like they're turning it into like a woman. I'm I'm not a damsel in distress. I don't mm-hmm. need a knight to come save me. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a dragon now. I've accepted right. it. I'm a strong she dragon, and I'm gonna rock this. Yep, yep. Uh, you'll like this. Uh, the Scottish and Irish version of there the tale was is this the best version. This is the probably best one. was collected in 1890 by Joseph Jacobs uh, and named "Quote the Well of the World's End," which that sounds what a fascinating. Great title. In this version, a young girl is living with her father and abusive stepmother, classic. Mm -hmm. Her stepmother gives her a sieve and tells her to fetch some water from the well at the world's end. Isn't there a Spy Kids movie that's like something at the world's end? (laughs) Can we do an episode on Spy Kids? Absolutely. I don't think I've ever seen one of those movies. Shark Boy and Lava Girl is another good one. That little ginger guy is now married to Megan Train, or, you know, Megan. Oh. All about that base. Oh my gosh! I didn't yeah, that. they have a child. That's also right here. Now we're a pop culture mm-hmm. uh, podcast. So the world, the well, the world's in. The girl is told that she cannot come back until the task is complete. So she sets out on the trip. Along the way, she meets an old woman who directs her to the well. But when she gets there, she's unable to fill the sieve. Um, that is until a frog appears and agrees to help her as long as she promises to do everything it says for a night. So I'm familiar. Mm-hmm. With no other option, she accepts the frog, fills the sieve with mud and clay to stop up the holes so that it is able to hold water. Then upon returning, the stepmother is angry that the girl is able to make it back and tells her that she must keep the promise she made to the frog. So similar to the other stories, the frog makes the girl, you know, take him to bed with her. Where they do stuff. But in the morning, uh, it requested that she chop off its head. That is a little bit different. Yes. I'm sorry if you just heard the air conditioner turn off. I was wondering what that was. We're still recording. When she did chop off his head, a handsome prince emerged from the frog's corpse. That's dark. Where they lived. Then they lived happily ever after. Hmm. They got married and lived happily ever after. I I guess Disney didn't like this idea because the image of a 
prince crawling out of, of a, a dead corpse. Yeah, frog, frog corpse. A headless frog corpse is is right. troubling. You know what this also says to me? That a woman will just forgive a man sleep, like making her sleep with him, even though she didn't want to, if the only thing that matters is his, oh, now he's a handsome prince, so I'm going to forgive right. him and live happily ever right. after. Right, it, it does, she does come off as pretty shallow. Yeah. This whole story wouldn't read to my kid, I don't think. No, but that's what's in, I mean, that's why I like the the Disney version. Yeah. Because I, I like mm-hmm. what, that they change things. Sometimes I don't like that they change things, but I like right. that. Then there's an Italian version mm-hmm. where three sons, they're usually princes, go on a journey to find their brides. The first two sons find just either ordinary women or princes, princesses, but the third son only finds a frog. The frog turns out to be better at sewing and weaving and making polenta mm-hmm. than the two human polenta. brides. Yes, Frogs like don't have opposable thumbs. It wasn't, and they just be getting mucus on everything. It wasn't, a, uh, it wasn't beignets, it was polenta. Mm-hmm. The second the frog is transformed into a lovely girl, the youngest son and the prince learns to stop feeling ashamed for his frog bride and introduces her with pride to his parents. Listen, if you couldn't take me That's at, a frog my, princess at my froggiest... You are not going to get me... At my princessiest. Yeah. You aren't going to get my polenta. Mm-hmm. That's my, right. Or my beignets. Right. So Disney's version is an important adaptation to the Frog Prince story. Uh, one extremely important idea, true to the heart of the Frog Prince story, or stories, rather, that we've talked about, is the idea that the frog is kissed or accepted as a companion without the human knowing that transformation will happen. So Disney preserves this by not allowing Prince Naveen to turn back into a human when Tiana originally kisses him. And the transformation back to humans only happens when the couple does not expect that change to happen, but they love each other anyway. Yeah. So much better. Right. Yeah. Much more I moral. like that they tried, They got married as frogs. Yeah. They were like, it and, doesn't matter. Yeah. We'll get married as frogs yeah. and we'll still love each other. So there is a side story in Disney's Princess and the Frog that may seem random unless you know more of the historical context. (laughs) Right. Along their journey, uh, Tiana and Prince Naveen meet a firefly named Ray. I love him. He's very Cajun. Yeah, he's the the comic relief. Mm -hmm. Um, But also he's obsessed with a star named Evangeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the star that everyone wishes on throughout the movie. Yeah, they don't call her Evangeline. They just, you know, wish on. She's like a the North mm-hmm. Northern Star. That's what I think of. Yep. So uh, Evangeline is actually a poem written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow in 1847. Here's a little bit of a English class for you. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a poem about loss and devotion, set against the deportation of the Acadian people in fifth, in 1775. So and I was like, where the crap is Acadia? Yeah. So a quick little sad history lesson for you uh acadia which is present day nova scotia Mm -hmm. was a colony of new france located in north america the british decided that they wanted the island and thousands and thousands of arcadians were exiled and scattered far and wide many eventually ended up in louisiana where they formed the basis of the cajun culture that is fascinating yeah isn't that cool yeah Um, that's where the french influence comes in i also do like the like the, the little hidden nugget there, if you didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. So the poem tells of two lovers, Evangeline and Gabriel, who were separated during this exile. She searches for Gabriel her entire life until she signs up for the Sisters of Mercy in Philadelphia and dedicates her life to serving others. While volunteering at a hospital, Evangeline finally finds Gabriel on his deathbed 
where he dies in her arms only a few moments later, and then she dies soon after. It's extremely sad. I know. This is a very famous Cajun poem, though. But if you yeah. didn't know that, the whole Evangeline storyline is kind of weird. You just weird. It. it kind of goes over But your once head. you find that out, that they stuck that, I love the deep. I know. Yeah, that's why I, I love Alice in Wonderland. I think it's very, I don't know, it is very cool. It's mm-hmm. like this, This. it's an illusion, which is like the inside joke of literature. If you right. don't know the story, you've missed it, and you don't, you shouldn't get mm-hmm. it. Uh, last thing I'm going to leave with you here, fun fact. I love this fact. Evangeline's connection to fireflies was first seen in The Lion King. Which came out before this, way before it this. It did. Uh, Timon and Pumbaa are stargazing at one point, and Timon tells Pumbaa that the stars are just, quote, fireflies that got stuck up in the big bluish-black thing. And Pumbaa's like, oh, I thought it was just a burning ball of gas thousands and thousands of miles away. And Timon's like, Pumbaa. And then they added it into Princess and the Frog. Yeah. I like to think that stars are fireflies. Yeah. That's a nice concept. I'm going to start wishing on Evangeline. I think you should. Evangeline, please give me a golden retriever. But also, if your story followed hers, you would be reunited with the thing that you wished for, and then you would be separated like moments later. That's true. I felt that they could have named Ray the firefly, which I get it, like a ray of light. They could have named him Gabe. Oh, that would have been cute. Right. Tie it all together. That would have been pretty cute. So that is The Princess and the Frog. I think next, not next Tuesday, but the next, I think we should cover the... uh, What's his name? uh, Dr. Facilier and Voodoo. Done. But the the story we have coming up next involves a little voodoo at the end. Which, I will say, that part is kind of scary in the movie. Yes, it is. Uh, My favorite season of American Horror Story is the third coven. Uh-huh. You know, there's lots of voodoo involved yeah. in that. It's fascinating. Yeah, we need to learn pretty, about it and come tell the people about it. spooky. That's a good idea to do for our next one. A little segue there for you. Yeah. Um, but the segue before the segue is we got a snack break. That's true. So let's hit it. Here we go. Ready, steady, go. Here we go. Today's snack break, uh, somebody at work, Benita, shout out to Benita. Uh, she gave us these snack breaks. And what we have here, I didn't think that it fit the theme at first, it but then Whitney, Whitney educated me, as she always does. Today we have Delman's, uh, the authentic Dutch Stroopwafels. Yes. Yes, I'm sorry, that turned into a German accent. It's fine. The reason this fits the theme is because Acadia, which we were talking about earlier, uh, that the British took over and everyone was exiled, it was also uh, occupied by the Dutch for a a good long period, and it is now owned by Canada. But today we're going to try some Stroop waffles. Some Dutch waffles. We have the caramel larger waffles, which they're circular disc that look like little thin hard waffles. Mm -hmm. They say to put it on top of your coffee cup and let it warm up before you eat it. But I can't drink coffee at this time because and we didn't, we didn't plan. So this is the caramel. I can't, let's just share one. You don't, it kind of looks like honeycomb. Oh, oh, I was not expecting that. So not. So we, (laughs) we tried to just break it in half. I thought it was, it looked like a cookie. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's not chewy. Well, cause it's got caramel on the inside. Okay. Well, here we go. Okay. Ready to go. Cheers. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. The, the consistency is throwing me off because I, I know, think same. it's going to be a cookie. It's not a cookie, though. 
but it's kind of it's very chewy and i could see we're putting this on top of your coffee cup and having one of these yeah would be that a would 10 be out good. of 10 that would be good yeah it's not it's not a consistency of a waffle Mm-mm. but it's not, not a cookie either a cookie. it's kind of an in-between it's a stroop waffle mm. mm-hmm. i do like that flavor though it says eight here here was the key eight soft toasted waffles filled with caramel cinnamon and real bourbon vanilla mm. since 1904 that eat. flavor is good now we got chocolate. Here you go. Thank you so much. These are delicious. Oh, Good job, Anita. These are chocolate. Does it have caramel? And inside? they're also filled with nope chocolate and bourbon vanilla. Mmm. Mm. Which one do you like better? I think I like chocolate better than caramel. I think I do too. I'm gonna finish eating this. Never mind. It's good. It kind of reminds me of eating a honeycomb. Yeah. These the, are good. the minis you wouldn't be able to put on top of your coffee. Right. You could do a little dip, though. You could put, put them in there. You, know, you could just, dip them in, yeah. And let them get all cooked down. And also, why, why do they serve these on airplanes? Am I dreaming that? I don't know. I think you're thinking of that cookie. It might be. I might Thank be. You. Well, they should sell these because these would be good. Those are good. Del, if you want some, it's D-A-E-L-M-A-N-S. I believe she got these at, like, Marshall's. I'm, and they're, they're delicious. Good. A lot of snacks at TJ Maxx turned out to be sketchy because it's like the snacks nobody wanted, I feel like. But these are fairly famous. I'm about to set this wire on fire. Please don't. Um, yeah. these, are, these are pretty famous. Well, let's try those. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you should try them. We just tried them. <laughs> we just you tried should try them. You should try them. And now we're going to get on to a true crime story that happens in the one and only New Orleans, Louisiana. Dun, dun, dun. Sometimes I wish it was a tiny doll so I could hear that. You know, the different song? I do like that song. Mm -hmm. I'm getting Stroopwafle out of my uh, teeth. My teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Today, Hannah and listeners, listeners. I am bringing you the very disturbing, very heinous, tragic story of Zach Bowden and Addie Hall. Everything you bring to us is tragic and disturbing and heinous. This story takes place in the heart of New Orleans. So, and so does Princess and the Frog, the movie. Yes. So, that's where and there's the a little, two, and there's a little, there's a voodoo at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Element. On October 17th, 2006, at approximately 8.30 p.m., police receive a phone call about an, apart, an, about an apartment, <laughs> about an apparent suicide at the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel. Ever stayed there? I have not. Me either. Probably Sounds not, fancy. Probably not going to. Isn't Omni is like really, the one in mm-hmm. Atlanta there's is really om- there's nice. There's Omni's across the country. When they arrived, they found the body of 28-year-old Zach Bowen on the roof of the parking deck. And in the front pocket of his pants, they found a note that read, quote, This is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. What? The note also told the police that they needed to investigate a scene at 826 North Rampart Street. And what they found there became one of the most famous crimes New Orleans has ever seen. And New Orleans has seen a lot. Yeah. So this is going to be a big one. A doozy. So I did a little thing on this one where we started at the end. I gave you a little taste, a little foreshadowing. And now we're going to go back to the beginning. Thank you. That was fun. Mm -hmm. I like that. You're welcome. 
Backing up a little bit, Zach Bowen was born on May 15th, 1978 in Bakersville, California, and he eventually moved to New Orleans in the early 90s. He was probably watching Lion King too, and <laughs> found a job bartending, which is where he met a woman by the name of Lana Shupak. The two started dating and Lana became pregnant and they eventually got married and had two children, Jackson and Lily. And to better support the family, Zach quit his job as a bartender and joined the U.S. Army in 2000. But I imagine being a bartender on uh, in New York, New Orleans, you make bank. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he was doing. They're also well. kind of like a dime a dozen down there. You yeah. know what I mean? Zach, uh, like I said, he joined the military. He served in Kosovo and Iraq as a military policeman, earning several medals, including the NATO Medal and the Presidential Unit Citation which are only awarded to military units that have performed a heroic act in the face of an armed enemy. So, while serving in Iraq, Zach saw many atrocities, as obviously. Right. Uh, one day, he gave a little Iraqi girl a piece of candy, and later she and her entire family were murdered for interacting with the Americans. So, oh. you can imagine he thought that that was his fault. his fault. I think that's a pretty common thing, that the American mm-hmm. soldiers hand out candy. He then became friends, close friends, with a young Iraqi boy and his entire family. And the little boy would bring Zach and his friends ice because his parents had, like, a corner store. And in turn, Zach would teach the little boy English. And later on, the boy and his entire family were killed in a bombing. So that's two doozies. So not surprisingly, Zach returned home with PTSD. And it was PTSD that would never be properly treated Mm, which i imagine a lot of war ptsd is not Mm -hmm. properly treated right when he returned home things just weren't the same naturally i think that happens with a lot of relationships with people coming back from war that don't have uh, undiagnosed mental illnesses and what zach had seen and experienced in iraq had changed changed him clearly and he and lana eventually split up my mom's name is lana actually her name is elana with an e but close enough My middle name used to be Alana. Now you know. Facts. So he went back to bartending on the streets of New Orleans, and he was very popular, especially with the ladies. He was extremely tall. War veteran. I mean, not my type, but go for it. He could get any girl he wanted except this one girl who just seemed to be playing hard to get. And that's who he's going to want. Yeah. That girl's name was Adrienne Addie Hall. So a little bit about Addie. She was born on January 15th, 1976. She grew up in an abusive household and was sexually abused as a child. So she would go on to be in abusive relationships and become a heavy drinker. Her friends believed that she had an undiagnosed bipolar disorder, noting that she became very abusive and aggressive towards her friends. Um, and they were right. She was eventually diagnosed and she did not get the proper care for this either. So you have two people who eventually meet who have mental illnesses that are not being treated. She, uh, Addie was very artistic type. She kind of reminds me of a fairy, even looking at her, but she was a poet, a dancer, a seamstress, and just a very free spirit, but she had a dark side. And when she drank and did drugs, this came out even more so and this made it hard for her to keep a roommate or even friends. Uh, she would turn on them. That They said that she was re- one of those people that when you're in an argument, she can pull something from like the past that you did or like your worst insecurity and use it against you. And mm, that's, that's scary. Mm-hmm. 
In 2005, she met Zach while working at the same bar, and initially Addie was not interested, but Zach was immediately drawn to her. And to gain her favor, he would sit at the bar and chat with her once he got done working his shift, and eventually the two hit it off and started dating. And he remembers telling his mom, or he remembered telling his mom, uh, that he believed Addie was his soulmate as soon as he met her. So then in 2006, uh, it comes along, and with it, Hurricane Katrina. If you're uh, not living in America or you were living under a rock, this was a massive hurricane that destroyed New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a mass evacuation of New Orleans for obvious reasons, but Zach and Addie refused to leave. And Zach's ex, Lana, even tried to convince him to leave, even offering that Addie could come with them, but they still refused. And at this point, it's like... Yeah, why? Uh, you have two kids and he's essentially oh. saying, whatever, I'm going to stay here with my new girlfriend and you and the oh, kids. He and, he and Lana have two kids together. Yeah. Oh, I said that earlier. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, I you missed got, that point. You got to be on. I know. I missed, I missed that point. They, uh, Jackson and Lily. And so oh. at this, and he was 18 when he became a father and very seemed to be a good father at first. And then this happens and he met this girl and just totally changed. Mm-hmm. Zach and Addie continued to stay. They were some of those people that decided to hunker down and stay in the city. And uh, everything was destroyed. I don't know if you've seen pictures, mm-hmm. but it was like a third world country yeah. after it hit. So they had no electricity, no running water, and were essentially camping with, with each other and a group of other people who had also stayed behind. And this sounds horrible to me. I would not enjoy this, but Zach and Addie loved it. They loved the camaraderie. They would make a little restaurant in the front of wherever they were living. They would uh, go to different bars and break in and steal all the alcohol, all that kind of stuff, and looting. You have to be like a real free spirit to enjoy that. Right. The couple started getting a lot of attention with this, uh, for this, and ended up making the news several times and... Addie was known for flashing police officers as they drove by, and you're kind of like, what? But this ensured that the police officers regularly checked in on the couple and their group of friends because it was very dangerous. So Mm -hmm. I kind of saw this and read what people were saying was she was just doing this as a safety tactic to get Interesting. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, I guess so. Um, Desperate times call for desperate measures. Eventually, the army is brought in with their tanks and planes, et cetera, because they have to clean up the city. And this sets off Zach's PTSD. Ah, there it is. So not to mention that he is drinking heavily and doing drugs at this point. And Addie was unable to get her psych meds because everything was shut down. I guess they couldn't break into a pharmacy. (laughs) And the combination of these two things started to make the couple unravel. So slowly, people started coming back to New Orleans, moving back in. And Zach and Addie were not fans of this. They liked living alone. They liked not having to work. And they were just living in this little Mm -hmm. weird little camping bubble. And all of that got messed up. So Zach and Addie started arguing constantly. They would break up and reconcile the very next day. And at one point, Addie was arrested after one of their fights when she ran out into the streets with a gun and pointed it at a pedestrian. So very volatile. Yeah things going on at some point zach's interest turns elsewhere he had become interested in another man and is now realizing that he is bisexual and addy finds out that he is cheating on her and as you can imagine flips the heck out Mm -hmm. she was causing all sorts of scenes calling them um why can't i think of the word 
um, homophobic slurs. She also called every woman in his phone and told them that he had AIDS. Oh, that's one way to mm-hmm. retaliate. But at this point, Addie was not working as much, and she did not have a lot of money. She had just come off not working and just looting for right. a while. So she tells Zach that they are getting back together and that he will pay for their apartment. And I guess he still kind of loves her at this point. So he says, sure. Okay. This apartment is at 826 North Rampart Street. Ah, the address mm-hmm. you gave us at the beginning. The small apartment was directly above the iconic Priestess Miriam's Voodoo Spiritual Temple. Let me tell you where I'm not going to get an apartment. Mm-hmm. Not, it's above that place. Right. I'm not getting an Remind apartment anywhere com- near that place. Yes. And this, we'll come back to this in a second. Some people think this has... Yeah, I'm not... Yeah. Yeah. But only days after moving in, Addie breaks up with Zach and goes to the landlord in an attempt to have the lease changed over to her name. And the landlord told her that she just needed to sort it out with Zach. And this was the last time anyone would ever see her alive, Mm -hmm. that is. So Zach is obviously infuriated, infuriated by the breakup and her attempting to get the apartment in her name. And on October 5th, 2006, one of their knockdown drag out fights ends with him strangling Addie to death. Yikes. He wrote in his suicide letter, quote, I killed her at 1 a.m. I very calmly strangled her. It was very quick. And then he goes on to describe that after he killed her, he had sex with her corpse nope. before before falling asleep next to it. Ew. And he got up the next day and went to work like everything was normal. Ew. So, <laughs> After some time, he dismembered her body in the bathroom with a knife and hacksaw, and he left her there for several days until he figured out what he was going to do with the body. And what he did to the body was left for the police to find out. So going back to the beginning, Mm -hmm. they find Zach's body on the roof of the parking deck with a note leading them to the apartment. And when they arrive, the apartment was very cold because Zach had turned the AC down to 60 degrees. He's obviously doing this in an attempt to preserve Preserve the the body. The apartment was also a complete disaster. It was trashed and written on the walls in spray paint were several messages, including I'm a failure. I love her. Call Lana shoe pack and look in the oven. And then written on the oven were the words don't look. Yep. So they go to the kitchen and that is where they find a simmering pot Excuse me? <laughs> Siri. You said, Excuse me, Siri. You said simmering pot, and Siri thought you were trying to talk to Listen her. Listen here, ma'am. We're doing a podcast. Is Do she I still need, listening? I don't know. Do I need to turn her off? That kind of creeps me out. It's the voodoo. It's, oh, yeah. How do I turn her off? How, oh, uh, hold on. I don't know. How do I turn her off? It's voodoo. I'm sorry. I'm afraid I can't do that. You dumb bitch. Okay. Is that gonna? Can Hold you on. hear that? It's creepy. All right. Sorry. Oh, do you hear footsteps? That's even more creepy. What is happening? Chase? I tell you, we start talking about weird things and things get weird around here. Sorry, we're back. The, we had to fix that. Uh, S I R I was picking up on her. I said S I M M E R I N G, and she thought I was saying S I R I. So, what I, I will have, say is the police go and they find a boiling pot. There How about we go. that? Good synonym. A rumbling pot of a human head. Oh. Okay. It is Addie Hall's head. Not laughing anymore. Yeah. What was in the oven then? Oh, get to that. 
Okay, okay. I thought her head was going to be in that. In another pot were her hands and feet. And in the pan in the oven, they found her arms and legs. An investigator said that her legs appeared to be seasoned. And there was also a bowl of cut up carrots and potatoes on the counter. Ew. Yeah. In the refrigerator, they find her torso in a plastic bag. And if you're wondering, yes, several people had commented on the smell of the apartment over the several days that her body was cooking and doing all the other stuff. Ew. And for a hot minute, nope, I did not know that I put hot minute right there, no pun intended, Zach was continuing to live in the apartment like everything was normal. Ew. It took him three days before the just entire grotesqueness and heinousness of his crime got to him, and he decided to complete suicide. An eight-page confession letter was found in the back of Addie's journal, and part of it read, quote, Halfway through the task, I stopped and thought about what I was doing. The decision to halt the first idea and move to plan B, the crime scene you are now in, came after a while. I scared myself not by the action of calmly strangling the woman I've loved for over one and a half years and then desecrating her body, but my entire lack of remorse. I've known for forever how horrible of a person I am, ask anyone, and decided to quit my job and spend $1,500 cash. I had been happy until I killed myself. So that's what I did. Good food, good drugs, good strippers, good friends, and any loose ends I may have had. I didn't contact any of my family, so that'll explain the shock. And had a fantastic time living out my days. It's just about time now. Yikes. So that's his confession letter. Despite cooking her body, Zach's autopsy showed that he had not consumed human remains. That's, that's, I guess, yeah. Everything points to cannibalism there, but it also showed that he had burned himself 28 times with a cigarette, a burn for every year of his life. So, yep. Their apartment has been renovated and opened as a tourist attraction for a ghost tour. Mm -mm. Um, Does the uh, morbid side of my brain would like to see that as a like true crime podcaster? Yes. Do I think it's wrong? I, yes, because yeah. these people have families, right? Uh, and it's not like an old, a ye old murder no. mystery. This was 2006, yeah. so recent. In 2017, the show Paranormal Lockdown did an episode in Zach and Addie's apartment, and during filming, a cameraman felt a cold draft coming in from a closed window. The investigators also sent some sort of supernatural presence in the bathroom where Hall was dismembered. And they also smelled a burning smell in the kitchen. But I also I imagine that's just a smell you can't get out of the walls. Right. You know? Right. They also got EVPs or, you know, the little the little machine mm-hmm. where voices come over that said, You are not alone and strangled to death. And going back to the voodoo thing, a lot of people think that because their apartment was above a voodoo temple thing, that this caused some type of supernatural possession over Zach. Because I don't think he had any history of violence. Uh, Other than yeah. his experience in and, war. And Addie was kind of always more the aggressor and he was more of the level-headed. But I think it's not so much supernatural as it is PTSD that went untreated and he snapped. Yeah. So Something very strange to round this story out, if it wasn't strange enough for you. On June 12th, 2012, so six years after this, uh, Addie Hall's best friend 
was arrested for a murder eerily similar to her own. Margaret Sanchez and her boyfriend Terry Speaks were arrested for the murder of a Bourbon Street dancer named Jaron Lockhart. Sanchez and Speaks were the last people seen with Lockhart on June 6th, whose torso washed up in the Mississippi the following day. The couple reportedly had lured Lockhart back to their home and then murdered and dismembered her corpse. And the couple reportedly went to a friend's house and dyed their hair that night before they were arrested in order to alter their appearance. So that tells you anything. That was Addie Hall's best friend. So Interesting. Mm-hmm. And she was even interviewed after shortly after they found all this out about Addie saying like, oh, I, were, I knew both of them and da, 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 da. And then you go and do something just as grotesque. So it's probably where she got the idea from. Right. Uh, that is one of the Yikes. most gruesome, messed up stories that I've told so far. That's pretty bad. It happened in old New Orleans. I'm sure we can bring, find you another story from New Orleans to think bring to the voodoo lot, episode. Yeah, it's got a, oh, that's right. With Dr. And I Facilier. think there's a lot of misconceptions about voodoo. Yeah. I, I think there's it's mostly thought of as like dark and evil and like voodoo dolls. Mm-hmm. And That's I the stereotype. Know. We need to bring the knowledge. Are we going to do that for our next episode? I think so. Okay. Let's do, do it. Do Dr. Vasilier for the first half mm-hmm. and some voodoo and then... Mm-hmm. And then something spooky. And then something, something spooky something like we always do. spooky. Well, Thank- there you have it. We went from frog in a blender to Mm -hmm. body in an oven yeah so sometimes the original story is not necessarily so spooky as just like just kind of weird and messed up but then i always bring it back at the end you know you're always gonna get something spooky yeah all right well you uh if you want more uh, podcast from us you you can follow us fairy tales you want more snacks you want more scary stuff oh yeah you can follow us on Instagram at Scary Tales Podcast. Uh, you can shoot us an email at I can never remember what our email is. I think it's just Scary Tale Pod. Scary Tale Pod. Scary Tales Pod at gmail.com. I I didn't have an email like a personal email until like a year ago. So that's... until we started this, yeah, because yeah. I was like, hey, let's make a Google Doc to Nobody share our notes, me. and she was like, what is that? Nobody emails me. But now you can email Lacey. Yeah, you by can. By emailing Scary Tales. Send us some snacks or suggest some snacks. And or send us some snacks. Yeah. That's also. Send us some beignets and we'll eat them on the voodoo oh, episode. Oh, we could do that. Mm-hmm. We could do that. Hannah's going to bake me some beignets. I'll try. Um, She'll try. And I may not be successful, but I'll try. Okay. And uh, we'll get back to you next time. And hopefully Siri won't. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Hopefully, yeah. She, hopefully she won't hijack our episode yeah, because you just literally said her name and she didn't i know it's it was the voodoo on, i know it's the voodoo pray for us yeah thank you so much bye bye bye